Have you ever heard the expression, there's no there there? Well, let's ask the question. Is there there there? That's our podcast from the full-service digital storytelling agency, Graphic Machine. I'm Matt Staub. I'm a partner here at Graphic Machine here with the other two partners of Graphic Machine, Patience Jones. Hello. Brian Jones. Hello. And special guest... Andrea Garcia. Hello. Good, good morning. How are you? Hi, good. How's everyone? Great. Good. good. This is episode 59, the 50 cents off edition. And our special guest, if you might have guessed, might know something about 50 cents off. Tell us about what you do. So I am a marketing specialist at Associated Wholesale Grocers, and my world revolves around coupons and coupon programs. And is it coupons exactly the right way? Or is there a matter of debate on how to say the word coupon? There is a matter of debate in everyday life, coupon, and a hilarious joke that no one ever gets, coupons. Okay. I'm laughing. I, Perfect. <laughs> I had never heard coupons before today, and I always say coupons. I say Q as well. I think it's like a northern thing. I'm told that that's where I'm from. I reserve judgment till later. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I learned coupons, but I also learned crick. So yeah. anyway. Um, yeah, we crick too. God, it is a northern thing. Yeah. yeah. Crap. So the association I have with coupons, coupons, this is going to be a very painful show, is my mom like taking the big newspaper insert and going through and finding product. Do people still do that? Or is that a very anachronistic view of what couponing is today? There are people that still do that. I think the prevalence of those extreme couponers is out there. And so people see that they go to the store and spend 50 cents on a year's worth of cheese. And then are like, oh my God, I buy a lot of cheese. I should do that. So you see it in varying levels. I think that it's less prevalent than it was in terms of the old school going through and physically clipping a coupon. So what are some of the new ways that couponing is done? So you have the coupons that you get when you check out of someplace that mm-hmm. print out with your receipt. And we call those Catalinas and those print based on whatever's going on nationally. So a brand puts some backing behind and then also based on buying behavior. So for me, I get dog food and contact lens solution. I don't get diapers and is it, I don't buy diapers buying behavior with that transaction or is it tied to like your loyalty program profile how data driven are those it would depend on the level of data that the manufacturer or that retail location can get down to so a bigger place like target can do obviously a little bit better targeting than you know a smaller less robust data system and you're saying it's the manufacturers that are buying those to try to push the product from that store the next time you're there mm-hmm And that's traditionally what all the old school coupons were too. It's like buy Cheerios instead of whatever breakfast cereal by getting this coupon and going to wherever you go. Basically, they were universally acceptable, right? Yeah. And that is something that I actually spend a lot of my day thinking about. Independent retailers are up against your Walmarts, your Targets, your Hy-Vees. So how can they compete in that coupon world when a manufacturer coupon can be used at any location? One thing that we've done is... AWG actually in the programs that I do, which are primarily executed in store so that you don't have to clip that coupon. You're already in the store. You see it. There are shelf signs. You have a sweet coupon and it says, hey, there's a coupon for this. So theoretically, it makes that connection easier. You don't have to do as much work. But most of ours, we actually create so that they are used in our retailers. So that's a savings that you cannot take down the street to another place. And is that just to push someone over the threshold of a purchase decision? Because that's not going to be the thing that gets them in to buy the Cheerios, right? Correct. 
one of my programs, we call it Excite, and I have found I'm amazing excited. ways to work Excite into email subject lines. <laughs> so I'm sorry to everyone that gets those for me, to our retailers. We actually approach it as a 360, so we do posts on social of, hey, there's this program going on for this four-week period. Here's where you can save, so product-specific, as well as website banner ads. And then we do call-out and physical ads. So whether that customer is in the store and happens to see something or is going to the store because they know that product or that coupon exists, we want to push that through the whole cycle. What are the relationships that you've seen and correlations between the success of print coupon, whether it's in-store or mailed home to somebody or stuffed in the newspaper, versus digital coupons that are maybe attached to a loyalty card or automatically come off at sale? Print coupons are historically not great in terms of redemption. 2% redemption rate is awesome for a print coupon. We have a text program, so we'll text a PLU code for a flash sale or a dinner special, and we see anywhere from 5 average to is 16% all the way up to, I think we've had some redeem around 35%. Wow. Now your list is smaller, but those are customers that have opted in and are more interested and more willing to complete that action. So I think that's one of the interesting things that's happening around couponing is you're moving away from that clipping and knowing exactly what you're going to buy to that text message or a clip to card where you know that that's already on there and you don't have to perform an action. All you have to do is show your phone or give them your phone number or your card to scan, all things that you probably already have when you're in that store. So it's less work on the customer. Do you find that it's largely based around the idea of gathering loyalty of a customer, that that seems to be the basis for a lot of of the couponing? Like Target's a good example of that, where they've built this ecosystem where you're using the totality of their whole thing to get the coupons directly from them. They keep you in the store. They push you through the sales cycle. But it seems like that's about that loyalty component. Previously, coupons encouraged product trial or loyalty, depending on what that customer really values. But as we see more price-sensitive consumers and less brand-loyal consumers, I think it really is where can you add value. And if you do have a good coupon program, it's easy for a customer to use and take advantage of. It doesn't add hassle to their day. That makes it easier for me to shop at that location. I'm not incredibly price-sensitive. I'm location-sensitive and location-loyal, but I don't think I'm the average shopper. So I have to think in terms of that average shopper and what they want and what matters to them. Well, and the data from younger generations is showing that they're not clipping coupons and they're thinking more about shopping as experiences and they aren't price sensitive. Mm -hmm. I think you're probably aligned with the millennial trends in that area. So is there hope for couponing in this new generation or is it going to slowly die away? I think there is. It really is going to depend on how brands and retailers react to those sensitive behaviors of the millennial or the busier kind of generation that we seem to have adapted in our lifestyles. We do a lot around what's a digital coupon. So I have manufacturer partners that'll call me, hey, we want to run a digital coupon. My first question to them is, well, what do you mean you want to run a digital coupon? Do you want to run a clip to card that you do on the website? The customer doesn't have to do anything. So that just sends it to like the loyalty card Mm -hmm. and when they scan it, they redeem it. Yeah, but typically what I'll see is, no, 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 we want you to put it on Facebook. Well, if we do a promotion on Facebook with a coupon, you actually have to physically print that coupon. Mm -hmm. It's no longer digital. Mm-hmm. It's a physical coupon. It's like the worst of all worlds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really you can't is. control re- yeah. redemption at all. Correct. You can't control that coupon bleed. You can't. Con- you have no control over it at that point. And that's where, with manufacturers that have limited funds and really want to get an impactful kind of event going, my suggestion is always 
do a digital coupon, put some marketing behind it because again, in that old school coupon world, people are like, oh, I'm doing a coupon. I don't have to do anything else. Yeah. But really tell people what it is. And even if they aren't having that coupon applied to them for whatever parameters you set, they're still getting word that that product's out there, that it's something that your store carries and it gets a little bit better marketing push than just here's a paper coupon. In terms of like attracting younger consumers, that seems that the specials or the coupons that come out that are related to more time bound, this thing just comes up on the spur of the moment. You have a day to decide. It seems like that would have a lot of appeal in that space. Yeah. And that's definitely what we do with the text message coupons is there today, tomorrow. And they do, like I said, extremely well. I think it's the attention deficit of our group of if I clip a coupon next week and it's good for two months, I am not going to remember it. Right. Well, not only the ADD, but also just the pain in the butt. Like, I'm not going to sit down and save 75 cents sitting down, like cutting these out. Like, oh, I might want those. It seems like, though, for some of these, to Brian's point, it's sort of the bridge to action because you Mm -hmm. could tie it to a campaign and then the coupon is the thing that finally gets you to take the step. It's the incentive, maybe along with a awareness campaign or social campaign that you tie the coupon on the back end to it. Right. And I think that's what's ideal. You do want that larger marketing activity. Again, if you go after price, you're not going to create a loyal customer. If you go after experience and consistency and use that coupon as the incentive to finally purchase or even repeat purchase, then you have a different approach to it and you can create that long lasting relationship. You mentioned earlier, which is what I was thinking of, the sort of coupon mania or like master couponers or whatever all those shows are on like TLC and these people who they have binders full of coupons that they print out. They go through them once a month or something and they have what amount to bunkers full of things like detergent and jello and They'll film them buying stuff in the store. They'll have 16 shopping carts. And it's just for the sport of getting things for cheap. It usually starts out, at least in the stories that have been profiled, it usually starts out from some legitimate economic concern. Like, you know, we're now down to one income family or something. We have to start saving money. And then I think because of some pre-existing mental infirmness, it evolves (laughs) into this thing that is like an obsession. And it seems like that type of behavior would not be something that the company issuing the coupon would desire, right? Like they basically end up giving their stuff away for free. The word of mouth value is nil because it's in the bunker. So for trying to cut down on that problem to the extent it is a problem, it seems like the more digital you go, the less you have with that because the desire is to experience the brand, to try it and to maybe get some money off versus getting out of the store for $5. Right. Digital has the best kind of control over that where you are one-to-one and you can really control that exposure. This is so technical and nerdy. I'm so sorry. Do Um, not ever apologize for that. (laughs) People are going to be like, oh God. So you used to see a UPC on a coupon. It looked exactly like the UPC that was on the product and you would match and say this UPC matches this, all the back-end pieces tie together discount. We're moving to what they're calling GS1 data string coupons. And I had some test coupons in my purse and I took them out. Regret that now. Um, you can send us a picture. We'll put it on the show page. Oh, yes. perfect. Well, I'll have to use an old one. So, no one can, oh, yeah. so, we can't. <laughs> yeah. so there's no coupon. For Market void. <laughs> um, so GS1, you can actually set data flags for effective dates, 
do not oh. double, do not triple, cool. so that you can. So those are pieces physically. of data built into that mm-hmm. schema. Oh, yeah, cool. so it, it's a data string of numbers that has everything from the manufacturer ID, who's redeeming, who's paying for that coupon, as well as do not double, do not triple, and the actual items and family codes that are included as well. So That's there's obviously cool. like a psychological value to just the feeling of like, I got something for cheaper, which is probably how this becomes a brain chemistry issue and people become obsessed. And that's probably why people enjoy using these discounts. But can someone in 2015 save a ton of money by being a coupon user? If you shop at the right stores and really devote some time to it, yes. I would say that that is not the average American intent. So does anyone that would listen to this podcast, should they be using coupons if they're not? Yes. At your independent retailer, (laughs) um, we'll actually have a great promotion coming up for back to school. (laughs) And that was shameless self-promotion. You you heard it straight off the press. (laughs) That's right. Do you find that in terms of the complexity of offer, that that impacts how likely people are to redeem? In various things in the past, we've seen that the more complex the offer is, the harder it is to get people to understand what it is that's valuable to them. Yeah, we definitely do. And that's one thing that I find interesting, just from a pure marketer background, is the coupons that perform well. We have about 50 or 60 probably different offers that we are running at any one period. The things that redeem well are the buy this, get that, rather than straight discount. So when you say, hey, Mr. Shopper, if you buy two boxes of cereal, you can get a dollar off of milk. Well, milk and cereal go together in the most households. What's different about the psychology of discounting a complimentary product versus just discounting the product? If the discount's the same, what weird brain trick are we pulling there with that? Well, either you weren't going to buy both of those things and you've grown the basket, which is what the retailer wants. Now you've grown permission to buy more stuff with the discount. Yes, and it's usually going to be a buy two or a buy three. So buy two boxes of cereal as opposed to the one you were going to buy. And then you also see the pairings that don't work out well Mm -hmm. and you learn from those. So we ran one that was buy brand of frozen pizza, four I think of them, get ice cream. And you would think, <laughs> eh, I can kind of see that tie. Double down on your bad yeah. decisions. I know, yeah. I'm like, oh, that sounds yeah. like the end of a really bad day and a lifetime does. movie. And mm-hmm. it did not, in fact, perform well. One of our highest performing ones, actually, and this is probably going to hurt everyone's heart here, <laughs> a hamburger skillet meal, buy three, get a pound off of ground beef, oh. went bananas. Well. They, they go together. Do you yeah. have to put the hamburger one into the it. skillet? Is it like hamburger helper style where you have to put the I hamburger I mean, we try and stay vendor agnostic. Yeah, yeah. okay. It is in that well, family. Sorry, I was just, to me, that is almost a commodity. Trademark. That's my mother's best meal back in the day. Sorry, mom. <laughs> I think we all grew up with a helper meal of some sort. We did not. They oh, were really? They were too expensive. That Seriously. Give, yes, that gives you an insight. Did you not shop private label? DJ. Private label has some good options. Well, and Again, pr- getting I, into no, that they grocery. Did, they did not have private label much stuff when I was, uh, uh-huh. yeah. So regarding private label, data showing that newer generations are actually way more tolerant of private label and trust the quality of private labels. And those are usually tied to your grocery chain or yeah, your grocery your supplier. Yeah. So are you as a supplier issuing the equivalent of manufacturer coupons for those types of products to go with the big name brands? We do. We feature three to eight private label coupons in all of my programs. And then we do independent private label as well. I'm a private label shopper, whether that be at one of our stores or when I'm out about in the world, I just, I don't see a 
quality difference. And just explain for everybody who might not know that term what private label means. Private label, more commonly referred to as generic. Or store brands. Store brands, yes. Yes. And it's often made in the same facilities and just white labels. It is basically the exact same thing in most cases. And I have the database of what matches to what, so I know. How is that not out there? I mean, I'm sure it's well-protected secrets, but... you Um, You can kind of tell based on the packaging what ties to what. And people know. They can read the ingredients. They read the order. They see the stats on the back, especially with food, when you can look at calories and fat and all that. But at the end of the day, people have this hang-up about a lot of things, like toothpaste. My mother would never buy private label toothpaste. She would buy private label other stuff, but for whatever reason, even though it was the exact same ingredients. It's the power of brands. And we yeah. use brands as shortcuts. Like I had a sensitive tooth and my dentist told me to go get Sensodyne and I didn't buy like the drugstore private label because he specifically said Sensodyne and I didn't know if there was some ingredient difference yeah. that I should, which was stupid because it's obviously the mm-hmm. same product. It gets the best of us. There's a, a strong psychology there. Back to the, just really quickly on the buy two or three of this item, get this other item free or discounted. Do you find that those perform better, worse, or the same than buy two of this kind of thing, get an extra one of this same thing for free? Those are way harder to code from a coupon Uh, standpoint. So we do more of the buy this, get that, because there's variable pricing store to store uh, on that item. Okay. So that's really hard to code. You have to set a max price. and Your reimbursement is more complicated. Correct. And is that how it works? The coupon issuer reimburses the retailer for price of the discount? It actually goes to a clearinghouse. So clearinghouse reimburses, manufacturer reimburses clearinghouse. Another fraud check layer, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of where I come in and see that data. I get it from our clearinghouse and just dig in there and see what's happening, what people are buying with their coupons. Cool. Well, thank you for all of your couponing wisdom and grocery insights. Thank you. I have not had occasion to think about coupons because I don't use them. It's fascinating that there's still a huge effort behind them and that they're modernizing. And Like I said, there's some good ones coming up. No spoilers, but I'm gonna you'll be really happy in July. 50 cents off something. <laughs> Maybe. 50 cents just, I guess the compelling thing is in the aggregate, you could actually save money that was a real number, but 50 mm-hmm. cents at a time, it's just not a strong enough message. Right, but if you're an extreme couponer and you mm-hmm. save hundreds of dollars, it is. So there's a happy medium in there. And I think what CPGs have to do is find that sweet spot that works for them to get that buying behavior and also for the consumer where it's worth investing your time. And it's a tactic for people that are more price conscious. Right. That maybe the passive things and the text messages will be more of a an impulse buy tactic. Also, I think the way people eat, the more processed and ready-made foods you eat, the more value you're going to get out of couponing. Yeah, it's because not, that's where the high value coupons buy one are. pound of fresh spinach, get another pound half off. Not we, generally. We <laughs> did have a good one of buy fresh frozen veggies, get produce. It performed pretty well as well. Nice. Good to know. All right, so I don't want to discount that part of the show, but it's time to move on from it. This part of the show that we are starting right now, exclusive offer, is called Out There or There There. Out There are things that we found out on the interwebs or that you guys shared with us that we thought were interesting and we will share with you. And There There is when something goes poorly... And it should have gone better. And Brian is very excited about his because he's been 
smiling and laughing to himself about it. <laughs> yes. So why don't we start with you so you can... Well, it's an out there as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Oh, it's boy. probably a there there for patients. Great. So this week, the MIT Biometric Robotics oh, Lab oh, yes. yeah. released its Cheetah 2. And Cheetah 1 is a robotic cheetah that they created that basically could walk connected to this sort of treadmill mechanism. And it was able to be kicked and pushed, but it, it stayed upright and kept walking. Well, now they've made a major advancement with version two, it can now autonomously hop over objects of varying heights and sizes. So there's a great video. And which will, objects that are coming at it. Correct. So correct. So, Come at me, bro. Exactly. So it's pretty cool to see the advancement in that particular technology and what that kind of means going forward for robotics, because I do think that robotics are obviously a big part of the future. To see that come to life is pretty cool. And it's very different because it's an, kind of an autonomous robot as opposed to like a machine installed somewhere that's very right. specific. The interesting part of it was to see the calculations that go into making such a very, what we would imagine to be pretty basic maneuver, but to judge the distance you are from an object as it's approaching you, how high you need to be off the ground, and at what point you need to trigger the mechanisms to jump to get to that height off the ground. It's, it, I mean, it's math, obviously, but it's yeah. interesting that it does it repeatedly and if you watch the video closely you can see it's exactly the same height above each of the objects yeah so no matter how tall the object is it clears it with the same margin correct i mean i don't even do that in my walking about the world (laughs) so that kind of blows me away yeah it is really cool the technology it's also the stuff of my nightmares here we go here we go (laughs) we're building this thing oh great now it can jump over anything we throw at it as we attempt to run away from it trying to kill us that's okay this has been your (laughs) Required patience's dystopian, the robots are taking over. Mark my words. But if it was a robotic bunny versus a robotic cheetah, would that make a difference? Ooh, um, good question. It might. Does if it the were, bunny have machine guns? It can it? Cut. If it was done up like a cheetah currently, I might feel differently about it in my anthropomorphizing of everything. But the way it looks now is kind of like it's just the bottom half of a centaur almost. It's got no torso. It's got no head. It's oh, got no nerve. It's like spidery. Yeah, right? right? Yeah. It's coming at you. Brian just pulled out a picture. And it just doesn't care. So It doesn't care. It but what if care. it was coming at you with like intensely, <laughs> right, no, intensely refined cuddliness? If it was like bounding over to see me because it couldn't wait to right. give me kisses. And it always like, landed okay. right with the right amount of soft buoyancy when it landed in your arms at the end of that the That would be great. See? But if that is ever eventually made, it will also have the capacity to then like stab me in the back while it could it's do that cuddling right now. me. I mean, a stabby robot would not be hard to build. It's much that was terrifying. Much harder to like bust a table than it is to stab. Okay, we're watching the video right now. It's creepy looking. It doesn't have a head. I know. All right. Well, we'll post so this it video. Can't look at you as it like mauls you to death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doesn't feel a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. You're just another board for it to jump over. <laughs> oh. My algorithm is satisfied. <laughs> Well, we'll post that video on the show page at graphmachine.com slash ITT. Don't watch it last thing before bed. Don't do it. Unless you want to, because nope, it's awesome. that's nightmare fuel. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, well, everyone is avoiding nightmares. Let's jump to PJs out there or there, there. What do you got? I have a very short one on the same topic of nightmares. It's oh, great. There, More there. nightmares. It goes, it goes out to the Duggar family and most of the state of Arkansas. What the F Homeboy was molesting people left and right, including in your own house. Everybody knew. No one did anything. You are the worst people who let's have ever lived. Not, let's not implicate the entire state. I've, you know, I'm implicating. Some nice people there. Uh, there are. I'm implicating 
a lot of people. There's probably child molesters in Michigan as well. There are. If I knew their names, I would call them out as well. But TLC hasn't featured them. That's true. Exactly. Just give it a moment. TLC is one minute away from every reality show. I almost feel like if you get a show on TLC, you should be investigated for being a pedo because this seems to be a recurring theme on all of their shows. Well, I want someone to do a study on relationships that take place during or are featured on reality TV shows because I think their success rate is where are they now yeah Yeah, it's not good who knew that that was all a farce I know it's crazy I feel like mine is not nearly as the society is falling apart I feel (laughs) mine's so frivolous but mine's just a quick out there because I have a duty as you know the social part of the agency to talk about innovation in that space and Pinterest added buyable pins so you actually can make a purchase directly from a pinned item on Pinterest now. It's only oh, buyable. buyable. I thought you said Bible pins. Bible. I didn't too. know I what that meant. You're talking about the Bible, Bible pins. Yeah, it was like been around the whole time. their own Bible pins? Okay. It was just a Duggar transition. Gotcha. Bible pins. So Pinterest is already a huge conversion channel. It's by far the most converting, meaning that people click through and buy things when they find them on Pinterest. And that's not surprising because it's very visually driven. It's curated. The demographics are very favorable. It's a little more upmarket than a lot of other social media. Because it's so visual, it's like ideas for my kitchen and you pin your different furniture pieces and your different decorations and pieces of art. And then you click through and it's all curated from these sites where you can go buy them. So it's not a surprise that people sell a lot of crap through Pinterest. Now you can actually buy it right on Pinterest. And this is right now free, but Pinterest someday presumably is going to find a way to monetize this. Maybe they're just introducing it at this point. But the ability with even less friction, you like something in the My Favorite Kitchen Accessories pin board that somebody posts and you can buy it right there. There's a opportunity for this to really change the way shopping works because it's curated shopping lists in a very different kind of way, all built into that ecosystem. So it'll be something to watch. And if you sell actual widgets, it's an opportunity to really explore, I think. Well, Uh, there's an Instagram account that's doing something kind of similar where Instagram's a little bit trickier for brands. There's a fashion account. It's called Like to Know It. You sign up, you connect your email on the website to your Instagram. When you double tap a outfit that you like they send you all those individual pieces and you can click through and buy them that's dangerous that's, that's cool though really? yeah. An issue. It's like, yeah it's a hack on top of yeah the way that they have it set up is amazing yeah it's brilliant but i have spent a lot of money on that <laughs> so now we know how you know about this <laughs> yeah it was actually a friend recommended it to me and it came with a caveat of you are going to spend so much money on Ex-friend. this and i did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Andrea, thank you for coming. Yeah, thank, thank you. Did you have anything so else to add? Did you have fun? I did. did I should have brought you? you guys all coupons. I failed. I have some sitting at my desk that are still good. We have eight private label and about 15 manufacturer brands. What is They're the best deal that everything. you're excited about? The thing that... Do you want to know the can, one that's performing the best? Say? What's performing the best? And then uh, what, of, what's the worst? Out of that set of coupons, the one that's performing the best is save a dollar off of two loaves of Velveeta. Loaves? Oh. It's, that's the <laughs> so, technical term for it, yes. A loaf of Velveeta. No, oh, well, yeah. that's the most educational part of the show right there. <laughs> and there it is. So. <laughs> a dollar is not and a small see, amount. Loaves of Velveeta, I mean, they're two two-pound loaves, so you can make just a lot of Rotel dip. Right, Rotel dip, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and there's a Rotel coupon in there as well, so. What's Jeez. Rotel dip? What? Whoa. I oh. <laughs> is this another northern thing? What is no. Rotel dip? It's like mixed tomatoes and peppers in a can that you mix in with Velveeta and then you've got salsa for your party. That's it. Oh. (laughs) No? There's no concept of this? Nope. Nope. 
Oh, oh my man. goodness. Not, not a well, we got to get off the show, so we're going to have an intervention <laughs> and we're going to make some hotel dip right now. But that was oh, episode no, 59. Okay. The 50 cents off or two loaves of Velveeta. It's dollar off edition. For everything we talked about on the show today, you can check out graphicmachine.com slash ITTT. That's our show page for this show and all the other shows. If you want to check those out, you can also hit us up on Facebook where there's a discussion about this show and every other show. Join that conversation, facebook.com slash graphicmachineinc. And you can check us out on Twitter at their podcast is this show and at graphic machine is our agency. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future topics, email us or send us something through one of those other channels. The email address, ITTT at graphicmachine.com. Very long ending. Brian is tired of it. Thanks so much for <laughs> listening. Everyone at home. Thanks, Andrea, for coming. <laughs> Thanks for having me. We'll talk to everybody next week.